0: Welcome everyone to the SeedCamp podcast. Today we're going to explore data science, open data, and everything you've ever wanted to know about this subject with two very specialized and very capable women. Uh, we've got Yodit and Avarina here, we're going to let them both explain what they do and which company they're with. In short, do you want to start, Yodit? Sure. Uh,
1: my name is Yodit Stanton. I run OpenCenter.io, which is a SeedCamp company. And what we do is, is essentially trying to make uh, data from the physical world easier to access. Um, we process lots and lots of sensor data, internet Things data, um, and, and the premise is data reuse. So a lot of the data sets are, 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 are open data sets that other people share in order to let anyone reuse the data. And and also private companies combining the sets with their own private data to kind of manage infrastructure. Yeah, and um, I'm Verena. I run the data team at Hassle.com.
2: Hassle is um, a platform that matches cleaners in uh, with households and takes the hassle out of you having a clean home. Um, my background is in economics, and I see myself as a very technical, business uh, intelligent. Uh, analyst and my world really runs around KPIs and metrics and making a company data driven.
0: Excellent. So, Jodit, maybe we can start with your background. Um, I know that you do a lot of uh, really amazing things today with with, uh, open sensors, but I heard you earlier talking about your background at Lehman and doing algorithmic trading and and perhaps even managing all the algorithms that route airplanes, I don't know. It, you clearly have an amazing background in this space. Um, do you want to walk us through kind of wh- where your career started?
1: Sure, so my, um, my degree is in computer science and um, I spent about 10 years in, in various investment banks um, all around exchange connectivity, uh, enabling uh, the algo algo systems to to kind of work better and and optimizing um, the in-house algorithms. And and I got into math and and machine learning, and and, and it's a fascinating era, I think, especially when I was um, working in banks. I mean, the the open source movement was probably um, quite early, Um, so I kind of cut my teeth on um, a lot of the in-house MATLAB and and in-house algos. Um, and then around 2008, obviously, like um, my, my my permanent job was with Lehman, and, and that whole went um, that went south a bit. And um, at the same time, the the open source movement was really kind of taking off, and it was a really exciting time to be um, a computer scientist again. kind of um, so I, I moved towards enabling um, a lot of a lot of the. Especially the banks and the small asset managers to, to move into AWS and Redshift and, and really using um, things like Hadoop. And um, it was things got a lot more interesting, and and the co- capabilities got you know, cheaper and faster and, and so forth. So that's how I got into I suppose this space, which is big data, should we say, and and, um, and data science, which is which is kind of new in, in the last five years, I suppose.
0: Maybe may we pause there in a second. maybe Verena, you can. Help us understand what is data science. It's for, for those people who like you know they hear the term and they don't maybe know exactly what it means.
2: Yeah. So um. So to my understanding, um. Just very much from from a business point of view, I think uh, businesses are very good in um, collecting lots of data and um, which I think they have done so very efficiently over the past years. But now the data science bit really comes in where you try to understand what of knowledge and information and informed decisions you can actually draw from your data sets and I think what um, the challenge for data science is nowadays is not only um, it's not only collecting large amounts of data and looking at them but also understanding what kind of problems you would like to solve mm. so I think this is where um, data science um, really comes about I think it also grabs around um, it basically combines Capabilities from technical skills to statistics to understanding where what kind of problems you try to understand.
0: Mm. Yeah. So I guess there's a, a question that brings up, which is data that you're using um, to analyze a problem that you know you have, but there are problems that perhaps are pending or looming that you haven't even thought of to look for, but that the patterns generate. Where are we in... In what's the state of the industry in in making sense of these things and maybe I don't know you already, you have a view with a lot of the data that you have you have you have so much data available to you these days that the the, the cross referencing of this data to draw conclusions that are usable how's that managed what, what's what's the state of that
1: I think some companies are doing a better job than others um, within the internet things space obviously you're if you're looking at the world as you know the predictions of fifty billion devices or whatever. But I think managing and making the data useful um, is going to be the, the biggest task. I would say um, so you have you have this data rich world, um, but slicing and dicing it so that uh, to make it useful for for kind of uh, for many for many views is is the key. Um, so if you're talking about say. You know, building managers, for example, it's not just the facilities guys that need to know what's going on in building. Finance needs to know in order to say, okay, what's my energy is going to be over the next, you know, um, year. Um, and that is, I would say, immature, and I think making the data useful, it still needs someone to enable them, enable them to do that. Um, I don't know what you think. Yeah, um, I I actually think that um,
2: there's one term that I've heard a couple of times in, um, especially in tech around London, they say, say things like, oh, we have this amazing data scientist, but um, he basically produces reports that many of us don't understand. So I think there lies a big value in finding a way to communicate insights in big data and data science. Um, which basically um, can only be achieved if you really meet the people that, um, whose problems you try to solve. Um, so I, I think we should encourage data scientists and um, data engineers to meet more with the head of finance and the head of marketing and um, or even with journalists, uh, especially if we're talking about open data sources, because I think that there's a lot of hidden stories um, simply lying there that can be explored. And uh, many people who are non-technical are scared of reaching out to the data sources. But many people who have the skills, they might be looking for um, for the wrong pat not, not the wrong patterns, but uh, they might not understand the problem that we're trying to solve. Yeah.
0: So when does, when does a startup know that they're ready for somebody to come in and do that? I mean, is that obviously you're biased in the sense that you know you, you you that's the role you play but like what was the context at hassle upon which you kind of were asked to come in
2: yeah so um so I the um, company was around for roughly two years before they uh, reached out for me to come in and fill the data role up until then and um, the founders so hassle is a very um uh, strong technically strong um, startup they have built um, really good product and uh, an amazing database. But I think uh, mainly uh, questions were answered from the founders and and they already have a lot of things on the plate. So I think um, it was Hustle has always been run very efficiently, so um, so they would only hire someone if there's really a lot of work for them to be done, which I think is great. And um, it was purely a capacity point of view where they said, like, um, now we have so many reports from from other departments and from investors, and we need someone who basically helps us out there. Mm. Um, and it was a really good role to be filled. Mm. I feel like the data team in any startups is really an inf- information hub between the tech world and any other department that you have.
0: Mm. And when do you see organizations talk to you, Yoda? Like, what what stage and what, what what's a typical interaction there?
1: It, it varies. So we have um, a lot of kind of community based projects that are happening. So people connect sensors around um, around issues that they care about. So whether that's you know flooding in one area or air quality and noise in another. Um, at the same time, in terms of I suppose the mature enterprise side, you know. It's, they're, if you talk about utilities companies and so on, they're actually getting fined if you know water mains break, and so there is unfortunately they come to us after something like that has happened, and then and then they start thinking, well, how can we use data to um, to, to to save money? I think it, it depends from company to company as well, because some companies have a much more um, data driven culture, um, and they have always had it from the start, so they they get it quickly, you know. Um, and others, unfortunately, it, it takes some, some.
0: But walk us through walk us through an engagement. What, what does that look like? For example, uh, there is this this flooding, or there is sort of an outage, or whatever. What is the engagement process like? How does that look? And then maybe Renu, when when Yoda kind of describes that, I want to kind of get the same feeling from within Hassel. It's like how is it that the engagement begins, and how do you help that customer? in creating the structure and the algorithm and the flow and the output data and the form so that it is usable.
1: Okay. So it there's there's two, I suppose, distinct groups. There are people that come to us and say, oh my God, something's happened. Or we, like for, for example, the JLA was, we have to, you know, there is this environmental uh, review coming up with, with Heathrow, you know, do you have any data? And they don't actually even have the data in the first place. So you, you start walking them through what datasets are available and putting it together and, and making them understand, um, I suppose, historical and, and real-time data. Um, for companies that are that are um, coming at this from from the very start, I mean, there's a lot to think about for especially for the Internet of Things because they okay. So, where is the deployment? How how um, robust does the sensor network need to be? Uh, how critical is it? Is, is is the main thing, and how how secure does it need to be? So does it matter if um, you know? Does encryption matter? Does it, is, is it privacy is uh, an issue? Um, so there's lots of steps, and there's lots of stakeholders. Um, sometimes it's you know with the utilities companies they need to talk to the cities and ensure that you know they can actually deploy these sensors. Um, and then and then once you've sorted that out, then you start talking about the data and and Kind of slicing and dicing it very quickly. I mean, because we're a small company, we can we can come up with iterative um, uh, like kind of analysis for them quite quickly. I think I think people like that because sometimes they just don't they don't even understand what's out there. So that you can combine it with oh here's some weather data with your own data and here's some kind of here's some quick quick and dirty models and. I, Sometimes it's just making people understand what is possible mm. um and then and then working with them. Mm. And you provide full analysis and in the background as well? Or is this done on the client side? Um that's done on the client side mm. most often because they would have I mean they sometimes would have HR data that they want to combine it with and, and so it's it encouraging the clients to actually look at the, the whole organizational structure and and seeing what what they can um what they can align is, is the challenge.
0: <laughs> and, and how do you guys do that? For example, you know, we were talking outside before we, we kicked off the podcast about the possibility of using external data, maybe even some of the data that, that Yodit has access to, to correlate with the, in, the internal data that's generated and saying, okay, look, after this kind of weather pattern, this kind of habit, and this kind of behavior happens, and how much creativity is in the job you do. I mean, how much of it is like literally hallucinating correlations of data sets out there and coming up with new
2: interpretations of it? Yeah. So, um, so usually when I um, when there's a new data project emerging at Hassel, um, I try I try to meet with the person that I'm providing the report for. Um, I try to understand rather than just answering a data request. I try to understand the problem, the underlying problem that. Um, uh, my my uh, colleague has, um, then I would um, go ahead and telling them how I try to approach solving the problem and what kind of data we can use for this. And I think um, this is usually where, um, where I think external data could really play in. I think external data, for example, and uh, weather data, is, um, is something that you see is uh, very highly correlated, generally to to search traffic and anything that comes from uh, from the Google side. So, um, so I think, for example, the marketing department could be very interested in this um, of trying to predict how I don't know whenever you set up a certain campaign that is maybe um, maybe run through AdWords, uh, try not to put it uh, live in the hottest week of uh, of the UK <laughs> um, because that would definitely have a lower impact. Um so then i I go about and, um, and and write a report for them. but I think what is even more interesting um whenever Whenever a, um, a new feature um, is built for um, for Hassel um, for the platform, um, we try to bring data in in the, in the very beginning. So uh, we would usually have a, a kickoff meeting with the developers, um, uh, the designers, and and I would be there as well. So I try to make everyone agree on a metric um, that we're trying to solve and improve. Um, so we have some, something that we can actually measure um, when the um, feature is being built, and then um, and also not only this. It's really important that in the database you can actually track what you are, <laughs> what you have been built and um, how what this looks like in data forms, and then um, we decide on a metric, and then we try to go back um, after some time and evaluate whether this feature actually solved our problem or not. And I think this is something that is uh, that's really important for um, for developers as well because it just gives them satisfaction if they know actually that what they've mm. built is uh, is working.
0: But there's got to be some creativity there for you to know what variables to look at to figure out when things are not working, right? Because if they're working, yeah. then presumably you're tracking the right things. But if yeah. they're not working, it's like, maybe mm-hmm. I didn't know that this other variable, which I'm not tracking is actually an influence for why it's not converting.
2: Yeah. Do, yeah
1: exactly.
0: How do you do that? How do
2: you? Um, so I think we would probably look into um, how, so we would probably tr- set up an um, A-B testing and um, also look on, um, on how the customer uh, is um, interacting with the, with the product on um, something like Hotjar and um, record some sessions and try to understand if something was just not very um, very intuitive. Um, something that I think would help um, a startup very much. And uh, what unfortunately we're not doing is um, is trying to have this small more qualitative data, but um, actually observing um, a customer interacting with the product. I think there's quite a lot of insight in there as well, which is it's not big data, it's qualitative mm-hmm. data, but I think that's especially in the beginning, um, in, in the beginning, a, a startup is going to struggle to have um, large uh, amounts of data mm. where you can actually play around with A-B testings and have significant uh, de- sample sizes mm. that allow you to, to be very sure yeah. that one thing is better than the other. So I think, especially in the beginning, that this could be another option.
0: Yeah, talking about, like, the, the, once you have the maturity of data, there must be some funny stories you have of unexpected correlations. Surely, Yoda, and maybe not necessarily with open sensors, but maybe throughout your career, but maybe with open sensors, like, stuff that you did not expect to correlate.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, but it's, it's interesting, actually, that we, um, around two and a half years ago, we, we did, um, it was just a, I was a consultant, and we were doing, uh, it was probably the first IoT-related um, thing I did and I was helping some researchers with um, a research project and they were monitoring elderly people in, in their homes and they had um, they had sleep monitors they had you know motion detectors in the apartments and so on and one of the things that was noticed actually was before um, before any hospital admissions that wasn't an accident like a fall or anything so any infections um, uh, anything there was um, a three-day pattern of REM sleep disturbance, uh, and, and that was a complete accident. Mm-hmm. It was only because we had the data. There was no kind of there was no active looking for that pattern, and you know. Then now they're kind of doing a larger study because of it. But you kind of think, well, if we can actually detect hospital admissions which cost the NHS a lot of money, you know, what you know, this is this is groundbreaking. But <laughs> it, it was a complete fluke. I mean, there was no. Um, I, no one can take credit for that. It was, it was an accident, but, it, you know, it, it's, yeah, it's a funny story that kind of um, got me more and more into IoT, I think, because, you know, obviously, uh, all of this kind of stuff will... <laughs> yeah. How about you? you um, in, uh,
2: in my previous job, we worked a lot with uh, search data from uh, from the Google site, and um, and we, um, we were basically... Um, Analyzing traffic for a client in various different countries, and I think especially in the middle of the night, um, you would see I don't know just the dark side of, uh, of things that people Google, and I obviously <laughs> think that um, there's a uh, there's, there's there could be an analysis of seeing. Uh, I don't know certain uh, countries having certain preferences other than and um, yeah there's quite a, there's quite a dark side to search traffic I mean if you think about it it's pretty much just a uh, just a print of a pe- person's uh, thoughts really
0: <laughs> yeah wow uh, some scary thoughts there what tools would you uh, recommend for startups that are starting to think about uh, their their, their their data science practice internally. I know that some of the companies here at Seedcamp, by the way, for those that are listening, OpenSensors is a Seedcamp company. Um, unfortunately, Hassle wasn't, uh, <laughs> but uh, would have loved to. And But yeah, so for those kinds of companies, the, the companies that are early, early days generating data and, and, and perhaps not at the point yet where they can make any sense of it, but want to start off on a good foot so that they have clean, rich, Usable data that then they can later use with the toolset. What what recommendations would you would you put out on a general basis?
2: Um, so I think well um, the. The obvious place uh, to start, really, is Google Analytics, and um, and make sure that um, you use this tool to its maximum because it's free. Even though um, on the free version you have only a sample data, but um, try uh, try to use this tool as much as you can and set up goals uh, towards your conversion So you really start um, tracking what's happening and who's coming to your page. Um, I think it's also important to uh, to think about the fact that if you do run analysis on um, on I don't know, Excel, maybe maybe try putting it into um, into little spreadsheets and like, be a little bit smart about it with formulas and little scripts that you can write so you don't have to run the same analysis over and over again because it's just costing you time and you're going to ask yourself very similar questions of how uh, the KPIs develop. And, um, yeah, just in general, I think... Um, uh, if you if you have any any questions around Google Analytics, they have a really really good forum and they uh, support chat and they mm. answer every question. It's, it's still in the early days, I think it's very powerful. Yeah, yeah. but I think it's important to um, to do also a lot of tracking um, from you know the beginning of the first touch to uh, to a conversion. I think this is uh, it's not only once someone is on your web page or in your environment where they can become mm. a customer. I think it's important to really grasp and understand the full the full funnel from the very beginning.
0: So then after you graduate from those tools, what, what, what would come next? After? What would be like, if that's White Belt, what's like Yellow Belt, Green Belt, Black Belt?
2: <laughs> um, so I think um, after that, um, if you actually start, um, you know, you already have like a really nice data warehouse well set up, um, you know, you're running your USQL queries. I think there are um, a lot of Tools like business intelligence tools that you can use are quite expensive, um, but um, if you are technically advanced, then I think it's really worth um, learning Python because you can do a lot of—you um, can—you can write really nice reports and um, do visualizations and they and they update. And I think this could even you know save you a lot of money, um, and and it's not that complicated to learn. So I I would probably recommend that rather than um, going for a really expensive BI tool.
0: Mm. How about you, Yoda? When you work with customers that are approaching you and thinking, okay, I really need to, to deal with this issue, whether it be a municipality or anything, how much do you help them in establishing effectively a, a data science department internally to then manage the output of what you can provide for them? Or do you do all of that for them?
1: Um, we, tend to, we tend to work with other technical teams, so if they actually don't have um, a technology or data science teams um there are really good consultancies that we work with. I think I think um it's probably a skill that we don't have the bandwidth for or you, even internal internal kind of culture changing. So we've tried to stay focused in being a very very technical team talking to their departments or the company's technical um team. It's it's quite hard because you want to jump in and, and save everyone but as you know as a startup you just you just have to be really focused. Mm. Um,
0: Okay, so books, favorite books, favorite books on the subject, books that you'd recommend for anybody who's really into this and books that inspired you?
2: Um, so I think there's um, Lean Analytics um, from O'Reilly, which mm. is really good. I yeah, think it's on the subject a and, um, and they're very, uh, yeah, they're explaining it quite a lot and um, I've, um, I've, re- I've read it and I think it's pretty good. Um, then there's um, Data cyclism i think which is quite funny it's basically data what a, i can't remember, data cyclism i think it's called.
0: data cyclism, cyclism, cyclism. cyclism i don't even know how to pronounce that
2: <laughs> and we, um, we
0: both blame the fact that english is our second language how about that uh,
2: and um, and that is written from the data scientists of ok cupid and that is really it's really strong on the insights of um, how we basically Behave when no one is looking, and I think that is just um, a v- very, very interesting book. And it's um, it's really strong on the technical side as well as it's entertaining. So. Wow,
0: that's cool! Cool recommendations. Okay. You any any that stand out for you? Any of the
1: technical books. Technical books. Okay, how
0: about this? What book or article or whatever podcast would you write, would you wish all the people who approach you as potential customers would listen to, read, or Review before they came to you.
1: I would say lean analytics as well. i will chime in. So that's that's. A, I think the the, the context setting to why you need this stuff is 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 key. Um, with good with good company use cases.
0: So that would solve like eighty percent of your problems. Then yes, yeah. that's good. That's good. There's, cool.
2: There's one thing about lean analytics. though. So I think um, if, I, if I if I was a founder and I was looking for you know making. Data more usable. I think um, Lena Nudelko talks about a lot of KPIs and metrics, and I think this must be very overwhelming for um, for Ivan in the beginning. Mm. I think it's really important to um, to break it down and focus a little bit. And metrics and KPIs are very much related, often. So I think a good exercise would be to to consider KPIs and metrics maybe in a hierarchical method, mm. so you prioritize them. And, um, and discriminate in others, and then understand how they all link together, and, um, and I think, yeah, just focusing on, I don't know, the growth in the beginning and then the cost later on, and, mm. um, and just being a little more efficient, I think that would, uh, that would really help.
0: Cool. Now, let's pretend that we fast forwarded 10 years into the future. Um, Open Sensors is now a successful billion dollar company, and it is, it is warehousing an army of sensors and generating data. What does the world look like from your point of view and in, in, in what does having that element of data and, and analytics look like? What, how you had to predict what the world would do with the more structured and, and templatized data science for every organization, what would that look like?
1: Oh gosh, so <laughs> I, think, I think organizations creating intelligent products is, is what I would like to see. Um, so especially I mean we've concentrated a lot in, in the physical world so you know um, office spaces um, being, being kind of having digital concierge services and so on I mean you need you need data from inside the building, outside the building um, I think you know one of, one of the examples I use, but it's quite extreme. But you know, one of the reasons that Google can make self-driving cars is because they have this rich sources of data. They have mapping. They have, um, you know, everything else. So, lots of organisations being able to to create these kind of products easily is is what I'd like to say. Mm. Um, and and we will get there. I have a
2: point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that um, data really has the power to um, uh, to solve really big uh, problems in the world and mm. um, and I want to see that um, data is being used this way mm. and not in any in um, yeah in um, any evil way evil way yeah. yeah yeah
0: I mean there's there's a lot of issues right like world hunger and, and geopolitics of, of you know um, movement of, of populations and population growth and contraction so yeah it's an interesting interesting uh, to see how how we can use that data set to predict how these things are going to move forward. Um, well, we always like to conclude with your uh, chance for each one of you to plug, uh, to promote um, something that you're very passionate about. I'm going to immediately say you you can feel free to already assume that we've promoted HASSLE and we've already promoted Open sensors, so something other than your companies, a movement that you're particularly passionate about, a charity or a cause or anything.
2: Okay. Um, well, um, I would like to mention that um, my... Um, data <clears throat> data Event Data Mates is um, happening uh, in us too on the 9th of February and um, I'm inviting both of you and everyone who listens <laughs> to come along. Um, that's going to be really interesting. We have cool speakers from the data scientists from Deliveroo and, um, and the girl behind um, Dear Data and, um, and a very data driven um, charity called Centerpoint. Um, who are building a database around uh, youth homelessness, and that we're going to speak, and there's going to be free beer after work, so that's going to be really fun. And, um, and there's uh, another charity called DataKind uh, that is um, basically bringing uh, data scientists together with charities, and they have um, hackathons all over London often. And if you are interested in data and want to do something good with your skills, then you should definitely check them out.
0: Cool. So what was the name of DataMates?
2: DataMates is mine, and DataKind. So yeah, I just. Uh, Place too. What are the UR- <laughs> What are the URLs? www.datamate.es mm-hmm. and um, datakind.org.
0: Cool. Yeah. You it. I
1: would like to plug Women in Data. So we're on Meetup.com. Um, we have nearly 900 um, data science, um, data journalists, and, and so forth. Um, the reason we started a few years ago is because obviously I didn't know. That many women, they're scientists, and, and actually they, there's lots of them, um, really well-qualified people. And um, you see at conferences and, and, and so forth, you know, they're not really invited to speak that much. So, uh, And the excuse always is, you know, oh, they're, they're none. Um, so I'd like to throw the gauntlet down and say, well, there's loads of people. Hire them and and get them to speak uh, or write books. and, and um,
0: kind of or, or, or refer them to seed camp so we can invest. Yes. excellent well thanks for joining guys and uh, thanks to, to the audience for listening and until next time bye